When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Third and Central Podcast, the only podcast dedicated solely to the University of Louisville baseball program. This is your host, Matt Sefcovic, joined by Aaron Turner tonight. Aaron, we are flying high right now, coming off a 7-0 victory over Kentucky, which I know you're going to dive into here in just a little bit, but man, it doesn't feel any better than beating those guys, improving to 14-3. and over your in-state rival over the last 17 appearances. So before we jump into all that, how's everything going out your way? I think you said it best. I think I'm flying high up for that win. Doing good. How are you doing? Doing well. Um, like you said, it's just a you know a big win after a tough weekend at Duke. Got Miami coming in this weekend to Jim Patterson Stadium for three games. So in a lot of excitement right now. We'll go ahead and dive into it right now. Louisville, after the win over Kentucky, sits at 27 and 13. 8 and 10 in the conference. Right now their RPI is around 24, which has moved up eight places already this week after the win against Kentucky. So that just shows you how big one game can affect the your resume. Strength of schedule is around 27. Keep in mind those numbers fluctuate. There's games happening all the time. But RPI 24, strength of schedule 27 at the current moment. One thing to keep in mind, I've just started looking at it a little bit more recently is Louisville is 20 and five this year at home and they're four and eight on the road. So, you know, trying to move back up to that hosting line. I know it's slipping away. It's not out of reach, but trying to get back on that hosting line is going to be huge for this team going forward just because how well they play at home and how well they just haven't played on the road. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, you know, and the, I think that's why this this weekend is going to be so big. And we're going to dive into it a little bit more later with that Miami preview. But this is a huge weekend for the Cards, especially after three disappointing losses this past weekend at Duke. Uh, so we need to capitalize on every chance that we get at home because, like you said, it's just something's not clicking on the road. Yeah, you're spot on with it, too. You know, when we play at home, especially against a team like Miami, which we'll talk about, those are games you have to win. We, as a series, we have to win because when we do go on the road, nothing's promised, especially in conference. So after dropping the series to Duke and winning it at Kentucky on Tuesday night, the projections changed 
quite a bit for the field of 64. Louisville actually dropped down to the three line, both by D1 and by Baseball America, who released their projections on Wednesday afternoon. Right now, Louisville is the three seed by D1 in the Vanderbilt Regional. Vandy's the number four overall seed. They would play Alabama State as the four. Indiana State is the two, and Louisville, like I said, would be the three. Aaron and I talked about this a little bit earlier. In Indiana State from the Missouri Valley, they're having a heck of a season. They are 26 and 12 right now, all the way up to number nine in the RPI. They did get swept by Kentucky earlier this season, which is a big reason why Kentucky's, you know, RPI is inflated. That's been a huge series for them. But Kentucky fell all the way down to the three line. Same thing in Baseball America. They are placed in Indiana's regional up in Bloomington. Indiana's the 15 overall seed. Wright State is the four in that bracket. Tennessee is the two. And Louisville would be the three. And if you remember correctly from last week, that's about the same regional that Baseball America had us in, except Louisville was the two and Tennessee was the three. They just flipped those two teams. So nothing really changed on that front. Yeah, that uh, that Tennessee sweep over Vanderbilt was huge for their case. I know last week we talked about them starting to stumble a little bit. Next thing you know, they come out and sweep Vanderbilt and do so pretty easily, which, you know, they definitely made their case to move up in that two spot. And us getting swept by Duke, you know, I think we're going to dive into this here in a little bit. But all three of those games were very winnable down to down to the last out. So. Uh, we definitely didn't help our case this past week, but there's a lot of baseball that, that's left to be played. And I, I really do think that hosting is still on the table. Yeah, I think so too. And I think you're spot on. You saw what Tennessee did last week. We talked about them, how they were going in the wrong direction. They sweep Vandy. They move up to the two line. Louisville talked about us last week, you know, how we had been playing. We get swept by Duke. We dropped to the three line. So it just shows that one weekend, can really change the whole trajectory of where you're going to be placed in the postseason at this time of the year. So I think that's a good segue to go ahead and jump into the Duke series, which, like you said, it was it was tough. It was tough to watch. It was um, as a fan, it was pretty brutal. Um, as a player, probably pretty deflating. You know the way they lost the three games. You didn't have Christian Apchik all weekend long. You didn't have Jack Payton or Gavin Keelan on Friday or Saturday. They both did come back on Sunday um, in the starting lineup. They, they played a little bit in the game Saturday in the later innings, but they didn't start until the Sunday game. But on Friday, they Louisville took a 7-0 lead. You know, you feel pretty comfortable. And then all of a sudden, here comes Duke. They score a couple runs. Hawks gets chased out of the game. You have to go to Keener early. I know fans have voiced their concerns over that, but I think when you're on the road, you're playing Duke, you've got the lead. Yes, Keener has has been the closer this year, but if you can put him in, you think you have your best chance to win game one. And if you win game one, then you feel pretty confident that you can sneak one, one of the next two games, especially when you've got Carson Liggett as your anchor on Sunday afternoon. But Keener gave up a walk-off grand slam in the bottom of the ninth inning, Louisville is up six to nine, and Mooney hits a, a shot to center field, a no-doubter, and, uh, and Louisville loses 10 to nine. Ryan McCoy was sensational in that game, though. 
hit two home runs, had five REIs, just kind of wheeled his way and did everything he could to try to keep us in the game on Friday. Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly what we've been looking for out of, out of Ryan McCoy so far this season. And at times, I don't think it's always clicked, but he put together a very very good series at Duke, and it's it was it was fun to watch him hit the ball around the park this past weekend. I think that was definitely his best series of the game on Saturday. He did the same thing, hit another home run. You know, the game had a completely different beginning. We actually. Fell behind five to two after four innings, battled back. McCoy hit a two-run home run in the eighth inning to tie the game. Gave a little, little, a little bit of life later in the later innings. And then with two outs in the ninth inning, Duke hit a single, um, scored a run, the runner who had previously walked. So I think that just goes to show, we've talked about this before on the podcast, you know, walk, walk batters and, you know, hit by pitch, they have absolutely killed this team this year. And in Duke, that was on full display. We walked, I don't have the stats in front of me right now, but we walked a ton of batters down in Durham. And it seemed like every batter that we walked, they scored. And, that, and that's that's baseball. And, you know, you kick the ball around the field a couple of times, you walk a couple of batters, you're going to lose games and you play good teams at, at their place in the ACC. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it last week on the, the podcast as well, but – how scrappy Duke is. You know, we shouldn't be surprised by the outcome when you walk as many as we did, maybe boot the ball around a couple times, hit by pitches. All that stuff is going to add up, and when you have a scrappy Duke team that is going to scratch and claw their way to to a victory and use every single out that they have, you know, that that's unfortunately unsurprising. But also I think it's kind of encouraging. You you look at, you know, those were definitely winnable games. You know, we probably should have won all three, um, but it's just little things. You know, those little things can definitely be corrected uh, week to week, and I think that I think that we are going to see those corrections hopefully uh, heading into Miami. You know, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. You talk about you know baseball's a game of inches. The game last night against Kentucky, Jack Payton hits that line drive to first base. Runners run second, third, or bases loaded. That ball gets in the first base and makes a heck of a play on the ball. If that gets over his head, Louisville scores two or three runs. The game's busted open earlier than it is. So they had their opportunities down in Durham. It's not that they didn't. They they played really well at times. You know, on Sunday, Carson Liggett, I mean, he just – he did what Carson Liggett has done all year. He threw six and a third, only gave up four hits, struck out seven, and gave up one run. Like I said, Jack Payton and Gavin Keelan came back, so a little closer to, to full strength on Sunday. Uh, Louisville was up 3-1 to one in the eighth inning, and then they allowed four runs, and they lost 4-3. to three. Uh, Alex Galvan and Greg Ferrone, they came in in the eighth, and um, neither one of them were able to get an out. Ferrone actually just threw two pitches. Um, the first pitch he threw was a uh, hit-by-pitch, um, hit the guy. And then the next pitch he threw was a single that scored a couple runs and, and his day was done. Forbes came in and sat the next couple guys down. They didn't score anymore. But at that point in time, uh, Louisville was already down four to three and it was too late. And Duke took the sweep. Um, like you said, it, you know, it, it was tough to watch just the way they lost the game. Duke coming behind, you know, in the eighth inning or later in all three games. But Louisville was right in it. It's not like they went down there and got beat, you know, 10 to 2 or, you know, 8 to nothing. You know, they went down there. They competed. A lot of baseball left this season, so don't want to get down on them. 
For sure. You know, if you want to take some positives away from the weekend at Duke, uh, first of all, like we already mentioned Ryan McCoy, awesome weekend at the plate, the three home runs. Uh, the third home run, if you didn't see the metrics on that, uh, 480 feet. Uh, so hopefully he likes uh, hitting home runs at Durham Bowles uh, Athletic Park because he'll be back there before too long for the conference tournament. We could definitely use that. And then I also want to look at Patrick Forbes. I think that him coming out, out of the bullpen late on Sunday to get out of a jam is really telling about his plan – or, sorry, about uh, about the coach's plan for, for him. I think that we could see Patrick in some more high-leverage situations as the season comes to a close. And, and you know, we, we're in a do-or-die situation. I would not be su- surprised to see Patrick come out of the pen. Yeah, and you and I have talked about Forbes quite a bit. And, you know, the, that kid is – He's athletic as they come. He's got as much talent as anybody on the roster, top to bottom. I firmly believe that. You know, he's a freshman Gatorade Player of the Year, Mr. Baseball 2022 in Kentucky. You know, he was he was a draft pick, turned, turned some money down to come here to play at Louisville, and I think he's got a bright future. He looks really good in the box right now uh, on the mound. He just keeps getting better, and I, I think that's what we're going to continue to see from Forbes. And I think as he keeps getting better and the coaching staff continues to show – confidence that they have in him. I think we're going to see his role increase as the season winds down. I think we're going to see Forbes on the mound more often than not. I 100% agree with that. And, you know, a couple of big midweek games moving forward. I would not at all be surprised if he ended up being the starting pitcher for, let's say, the Vanderbilt game in early May. You know, one of those games where you would really, really like to win you know, no, no shot at Evan Webster, but I think Patrick Forbes might be the guy that gets the draw for that start. Yeah. And again, I, we've talked about Forbes over and over again, and I, I think he's a, he's a future starter. I do, I do firmly believe that, but you know, and as he, like I said, as he gets more comfortable, um, Forbes, he, he, I, we're, we're lucky to have the guy in a little uniform because he is going to be, in my opinion, a guy that could be on the right field wall before his time is all said and done here. So moving ahead, Cards took a trip to Lexington to that school down the road. Took a 7 nothing victory home from the Cats. Uh, it was the third shutout of the season for the pitching staff. Uh, it was absolute domination from start to finish for, for both the offense and the pitching staff. Just everything was working. Uh, just a side note here real quick. It was a record crowd for University of Kentucky. So congratulations to them. They all came out to see the Cats get it handed to them once again. Uh, Evan Webster got the win. He improves the two and two on the year. He looked really good on the mound. Uh, he was followed by Grundy, Corbett, Forbes, Campbell, and Keener. So all hands on deck. Everybody who came out looked really, really strong, uh, especially Caleb Corbett. I want to point him out real quick because last time we saw him was the midweek last week at Indiana and it was a rocky inning for him. He couldn't record an out, so it was really nice to see him come back out against against a quality opponent in Kentucky and be able to shut them down the way that he did. Uh, at the plate, Jack Payton got the scoring started. He had his ninth home run of the season in the second inning. So just like we've talked about before with Jack, just it's awesome to see that power just continue to grow and see him develop as a hitter because he's going he has continued to make himself a lot of money as the season continues to go. Uh, it was one nothing game for the majority of the game, you know, a little bit too close for comfort. It was a three run seventh inning, uh, kind of busted it open for the cards and then ended up tacking on a few more uh, in the eighth inning. And then 
Uh, bottom third of the lineup really shined for us. Uh, Brandon Anderson, Logan Beard, and Isaac Humphrey, they all went a combined seven for 12 with five runs scored. So that that just adds to the Dan McDonald motto, you know, one through six, you know, we're just as good as anybody else in the country. But seven through nine, we are we are better than everybody else in the country. And uh, that trio of Anderson, Beard, and Humphrey just came out and proved it last night. I think a couple of them up. Big thing that stood out to me was the fact that Louisville has quite a few guys on the roster up and down that played high school baseball in the state of Kentucky. And last night against their in-state rival, guys on Louisville's roster that played in Kentucky combined for seven hits, a home run, two doubles, and four runs at the plate. And the pitchers, the first four pitchers that Louisville rolled out last night, all of them pitched in the state of Kentucky in high school. And they combined for seven innings, gave up four hits, five strikeouts, and most importantly, they didn't give up a single run. I think the coolest moment of the night was Tyler Hawkins pinch hitting in the top of the ninth inning. He's from Lexington, played high school baseball there. And he, you know, he's a senior. And the first and only pitch that he saw on uh, Tuesday night against Kentucky was a home run he hit over the left field wall. So I just think it's a really cool moment for Hawkins. It's probably the last, you know, official pitch that he will ever see in his hometown of Lexington. And it was a it was a home run um, against his in-state rival. So just a really cool moment, I think, for Hawkins and the, and the rest of the guys that played high school ball in Kentucky because they were probably recruited by Kentucky as well. So it just goes to show why they picked red instead of blue. Yeah, you got that right. You know, I th- these games just mean more. And, you know, taking 14 of the last 17 from Kentucky just says a lot about the program that we've built in the state. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that all those guys who have played played high school ball in the city of Kentucky felt felt that energy last night and were able to to harness that. And, you know, it, it showed they, they played really good baseball. It wasn't the baseball that we saw over the weekend. I, th- I think it was really really great to see the team bounce back in the way that we did because Kentucky is no slouch as a very good team that Mengione has put together this year. He's worked the transfer portal uh, to his advantage and he's put together a pretty good squad. So that is definitely a quality win for the Cardinals and definitely a must win in my opinion. Yeah. And this is, like you said, this is one of Kentucky's best teams they've probably ever had. Now they've got a, they've got a tough stretch heading down the last couple weeks of the season, but this is one of the best teams they've ever put together. And for us to go in there, you know, beat them 7-0 on their turf in Lexington, it's pretty sweet, especially because we don't really know if that other game is going to get made up, which is a good segue into our next topic that we I kind of started today. I just threw this out there on Twitter. So I appreciate the people that participated and just asking for questions that you want Aaron and I to talk about. And one that I got a couple of times was, is Louisville, or Louisville Kentucky going to make up? this game that they missed a couple weeks ago due to the tragic shooting in downtown Louisville. And the answer right now is we don't know. Right now, it has not been rescheduled. Um, as we all know, Louisville picked up a game with Bellarmine that week to kick off the Heroes Week when they hosted Wake Forest over the weekend. Louisville does have a game scheduled with Bellarmine this uh, next week, uh, May 2nd. And 
since Louisville already played Bellarmine, we don't know what's going to happen with that. You know, are they going to just play Bellarmine for a second game? Or there is there could be an opportunity, I guess, to cancel that because Kentucky does not have a midweek. We talked about this last week on the podcast as well. So don't know anything official, but if it's going to happen, that's really the only week because you get into finals and then we have midweeks during midweek games every other week of the season as well as Kentucky does. So it's it's tough. Um, and at this point in time, it's the middle of the week. We haven't heard anything about what's going to happen next week, so I, I, I don't know. But I know we have got quite a few questions about that. Yeah, they, I think the uh, the coaching staff and people involved in the program are pretty good at keeping those kinds of things under wraps until they absolutely have to be announced. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw an announcement on Monday night that we're playing Kentucky on Tuesday. Yeah, and I'd be all in favor of that. And and listen, Kentucky and Louisville, they both want to play that game. I can guarantee you that, especially Louisville, because that's a home game. It's ticketed. It's going to be the one, the highest, one of the highest attended games of the season. So you, you talk about attendance. So you've got revenue there. Then you've got money coming in from concessions. So Kentucky wants to play the game. Louisville wants to play the game. It's just a matter of logistically. Can they get it done? So we're more to come on that, hopefully, um, in the coming days. Next question that we got, and Aaron, I know this is probably going to be a, a debate for us for a couple minutes because we haven't talked about this much, is is hosting a regional still feasible? I'll let you kick that one off. Uh, gut reaction, yes. I do think it is still feasible. I do think that we have to, I want to say run the table these last few conference weekends, but we need to at least win every series, in my opinion. I think we also might need a couple other things to go our way, just in terms of other teams who might be on the bubble of hosting that regional. I know that one that that's kind of up in the air still is with Indiana. What does Indiana do for the rest of the season? I Personally, I still don't see IU being a host team. Uh, so I would love to see us jump up and IU to, to jump down a little bit, uh, but I, I do think that it, it is feasible. That we just need we just need some things to go our way. I, I agree with you. I think it's feasible. Like we said earlier in the show, Louisville dropped to a three seed, so there's there's ground to be made up. They're probably one of the highest ranked three seeds, but they're still three. So there's a lot of a lot of movement left still to happen. But they've got three against Miami, number 23 team in RPI. They've got three against Clemson, number 22 in RPI. They've got one against Vandy, they're eight in RPI. Three against Virginia, six in RPI. And three against Florida State, who's 87. I say all that because the opportunity's there. And if you if you win, the, like you talked about, if you win those series against teams that are ranked that high in RPI, it does two things. Your RPI is going to go up, which helps you and you're beating them, so their RPI is going to go down, so they're going to fall below you. So the teams, they're all kind of scattered, jumbled right there together. So if we can take care of business and beat the Miamis and beat the Clemsons, those are the ones that the series that I think they're going to have the most impact because we can kind of swap places with them, um, if you will, if we if we take care of business against those teams. Yeah, I think, I think anything is on the table. If you haven't paid attention to college baseball at a national level this year, you would just start paying attention now because it has been absolute chaos. Uh, anybody is beatable on any given night, it seems like. There's no team that is safe from a major upset. So there are there is no team in the top 16 that is safe right now, in my opinion. 
So no, I agree with that. And there, there's, a, there's a lot of things that could change between now and, and Selection Sunday. So let's uh, let's just embrace the chaos and see what happens. Yeah, if you look at the scores from over the weekend, the top 25 teams that lost, I mean, it, 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 like you said, it's just mass chaos right now. So, you know, just embrace these last couple of weeks and go out there and play some baseball and see what happens and see where they land. But, yes, I, it is feasible for them to get there, but they're going to have to take care of business and they're going to need a little help from some of their friends too. So, And then I would also like to make uh, one more note about that. Something we haven't really talked about much yet is the conference tournament uh, at, at the end of the regular season. Louisville doesn't necessarily have a great track record with ACC conference tournaments. So when push comes to shove and we, you know, let's say we put ourselves in a situation where we really need a good showing in the conference tournament. I, I don't know how comfortable I, I feel with that situation. No, that, that was the next thing on my list to talk about. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, and you're spot on. Louisville hasn't performed well in conference tournaments really in the history. And I, you know, a lot of people say it's because they they don't care because they don't need it. I, I don't think that's the case. I think they go out there and compete and they want to win the baseball games. But they, they have been in a case where they could go out there and they could play relaxed and they didn't have a whole lot of pressure on them because they knew they were going to be a top eight. They knew they were going to be a top 16 no matter what happened. Well, if they're in a situation, and we don't know where they're going to be in a couple of weeks when the conference tournament starts, but if they are in a situation where they have, they do have to win their pool and they do have to advance to the single elimination tournament, you know, how are they going to play? You know, when you when you have to go out there and win two must-win games, how are they going to respond? So I hope it doesn't get to that point because historically we just haven't performed well in the ACC tournament. Um, but if we can take Ryan McCoy down there with us to the um, Durham Bulls Athletic Park and he can do what he did this weekend. I think we've got a shot against anybody, but still, I hope we're not in that situation. But if we are, this team's going to have to perform a little better than we have in the past in the ACC tournament. So we'll go ahead and jump over to the next question, which is what record does Louisville finish in the regular season with, uh, conference and overall? So I actually, I ran something on Warren Nolan I don't know if any of y'all are familiar with that site, but it's one of my favorite sites this time of the year. It updates real time with RPI, strength of schedule, all that good stuff. About five minutes after a game's end, it changes nonstop. There's a lot of really neat tools on there. And I went through the series that we have, and I came up with, I think Louisville will finish nine and six to finish the season in the last um, handful of games they've got left, which would leave them with a 36 and 19 record um, and 15 and 15 in the ACC. Um, 15 wins in the ACC is really where you feel pretty damn comfortable about getting a bid. If you look historically, 15 wins is going to get you in the tournament. Obviously, we go better than that, you know, that, that we don't want to just get in, but 15 wins, you feel pretty good about, about doing so. So I've got us the way I got to that 36 and 19 and 15 and 15 ACC. I've got Louisville beating Miami two games to one. I've got us winning the midweek to Bellarmine if that game stands. I've got us losing uh, two of three down at Clemson. I've got us losing the game against Vandy. I've got us losing the series at Virginia. Don't know how I feel about that yet. Virginia's not playing the best. They're they're really good. They are, like I said, they're number six in the RPI. They're really good, but they haven't been playing their best ball lately. They've got us beating Northern Kentucky and then sweeping Florida State, who is struggling this year. 
which that's that puts us at nine and six in the last 15 games. So the reason I brought up Warren Nolan is because I got in there and did, I ran their projections for Louisville and they had us finishing the exact same record. Different teams, they had us winning and losing different games, but they had us at 36 and they actually had us at 37 and 19 because they projected that we were going to make up that Kentucky game, which if we do, it's going to be a replacement. We're not going to add the Kentucky game. So they've also got us at 36 and 19. So what's your take on that, Aaron? What do you think? How how wrong am I? Uh, I think you're a lot more statistical based than I am because I just ran through the, the schedule and just went with gut feeling. I think you're pretty spot on. Uh, I, I I have a good feeling. I don't don't know why I have a good gut feeling about the Vanderbilt game. I, I do feel good heading into that game. Just something about playing Vanderbilt. Don't know what it is, but I, I'm, I'm confident in that midweek game. And then I also think that we will take two or three against Virginia. Like you said, Virginia not playing their best baseball right now. I do think that is a winnable series. But, I mean, Charlottesville is a very, very tough place to play. and It, it always has been. Uh, so, you know, it, it could go either way. I'm I'm hopeful for an 11 and four finish here. Um, you, you might be a little bit more spot on because you're you, you ran all the stats and it's a lot more math based than, than my gut reaction. But that that's what I have. <laughs> well, and I think it could go either way. You know, with the 15 games left, I think I think 11 and four is probably the the best they could do. And I think, you know, winning probably doing six and nine is probably the worst that they could do. So I, I think there's a wide range of where they could fall. And again, we were talking about can they can they host? If you look at this team at 11 and four or, you know, 12 and three to maybe finish, they're, they, they're right back in the hosting conversation. Because if they go 11 and four, 12 and three to finish the season, they beat some damn good baseball teams along the way. So that it's not out of the. Uh, reached for them to host a regional to close out the season. And then the final question that we have is about Christian Napchik. When he comes back, does he move the second and does Keelan um, or does Keelan stick it to short and Napchik move to second? So I guess that's a couple part question is we don't know when Napchik is coming back first off. Um, it's just shoulder injury that he's got in the series against Wake Forest. Um, he came up limp after sliding into I believe it was second base, hurt his shoulder when he got up off the ground. But so where do you think he fits? Does he move to second? Does he stay at short? What's your gut feeling on that? Or, or at this point in time, we don't know when he comes back. Yeah. First, it wasn't at Wake Forest last year that Napchik injured himself too. It just something again with Napchik and Wake Forest where he I actually think himself you're injured. I would have to go back and double check, but now that you bring that up, I think you are correct. Um, anyways, back back to the the original question. Whenever he does come back, I I've I've been beating on this drum all season long that Christian Napchik is the second baseman. Um, I do think that the shoulder injury does make a pretty compelling case for him to finally make that switch over to second base because it's going to be a shorter throw. He's going to have a little bit more time, a little little less wear and tear on the shoulder. And if you watch Gavin Keelan play shortstop, he is he's one of the best in the country, and he's just a freshman. Personally, I, I don't know how you move Keelan out of that role. 
No, I think you're spot on. We've talked about this in the past a little bit. And Dan McDonald talking to D1 Baseball before the season started, talked about Gavin Keelan defensively. That's why he's here. I mean, he's batting leadoff this year, too, I mean, which is pretty impressive for a freshman in the Dan McDonald offense. But McDonald talked about Keelan, and he said that he has the potential to be a gold glover before he graduates from Louisville. And if you look back at all these years that Dan McDonald has been here and all the College World Series he's been to and all the games he's won, he's had, is it two gold glove winners since he's been here? Will Smith and Levi Usher. Yeah, Devin Harrison for that, that third and one. Devin Harrison was the third one. Correct. You're right. So he's had three in the 16, 17 years he's been here. for the, So for him to give that praise to a true freshman, this was before he ever stepped foot in a college baseball game. It's pretty impressive. So we've also mentioned this, that Napchik at the next level, and this is all from Aaron because this is what he does for his life, is he looks at projections. Um, Napchik projects as a second baseman at the next level. So I think getting him at second, maybe for, even though it's just a you know a month or two, getting getting him over there if you can to let him get, you know feel more comfortable because that's where he's going to play at the next level. That would benefit Napchik as well as it would I think Louisville. Uh, yeah, I 100% agree with that. If you know, I I had Christian Napchik as my opening day second baseman. So. You know, who knows? I, I would like to see him at second base, but I, I guess the big question is when is he even going to come back? And that, that's the biggest thing, too. You know, we can talk about this and we're beating a dead horse until we know when he's even coming back. And I, I wish you could go back through our text messages and share them with everyone before the season started of how many different like projection lineups that we sent back and forth to each other of who's playing here, who's playing there. But the general consensus between both of us was that. Keelan would be the shortstop and Napchik would be the second baseman. So we, we don't know what's going to happen yet, but I think with the injury, like you said, you know, taking a little stress off him with a throw, making a little bit shorter, I think it makes sense, but we'll see. Um, I think the biggest thing right now, the most important thing is just getting Christian back on the field. I don't care where he plays as long as we just need him. You know, if this team is going to, host a regional or wants to talk about hosting a regional, you, you need your best player on the field, right? Yep. That, that is our spark plug right there. And I think this team goes as, as nap goes. So prayers up for speedy recovery. When, you know, hopefully we get him back on the field this weekend. And if not, hopefully very soon. You're spot on. And let's go ahead and jump into the cards and the pros update, because there's been a lot going on with this stuff lately and Aaron keeps me up to date and he keeps us all up to date on his Louisville baseball alumni report account, but there's been some super, super exciting stuff just over the past couple of days with some of our alumni. So tell us what's going on. I know Brian Hoeing, super exciting stuff. The birdie brothers, just amazing. So bring us up to speed on everything. Yeah, it's been, you know, it's been a week since I've last done a Cards in the Pros update, but it has been a very, very busy week for a lot of these guys. Uh, Nick Solak is back in Major League Baseball. He's up with the Braves right now. He, he came up on Tuesday night. Funny enough, it was Brian Hoeing who also had his contract selected by the Marlins on Tuesday night. They uh, both arrived in Atlanta. Brian Hoeing got the start for the Marlins. He ended up going three and two-thirds. Had a really strong three innings, and then that 
that brutal Atlanta lineup just kind of got to him in the fourth. He ended up taking the loss, uh, but he, he showed some really encouraging signs. Uh, I think that there's a lot of swing and miss in his game now that he didn't have last year. So I do think that he sticks around for a little bit. And then um, more news today, Zach Birdie is back in Major League Baseball. He had his contract selected by the race today, and he actually got in uh, to a Major League game tonight in a one nothing loss against the Astros. He threw the ninth inning, scoreless inning, uh, walked one and struck out two, and it was his first appearance in Major League Baseball since September of 2021. So it was awesome to see him get back. He's had a very – very long road of injuries, but it's it's good to see him finally healthy and and doing what we know that he can do. And then, you know, you talked about the Birdie brothers. Both of them are kind of on the comeback trail. I think that Nick is right there on the cusp of, of coming up with the Cubs, too. And I think this, that's just the tip of the iceberg for what we're going to see this year. There's already been some rumors of, of other guys that are on the verge of their major league debut. And I'm not going to speak on those rumors just yet until until they do come up, but just keep your eyes out because there's a there's going to be a, a number of guys who who break through this year. Yeah, there's a lot of super exciting stuff with our alumni right now, and you know I think just this is testament to Dan McDonald and Roger Williams just preparing these guys for Major League Baseball. I do want to touch on you talked about Nick Solak and and Birdie, you know, getting called up a little bit. Just kind of walk through how that process works, I guess, like. Do you see them staying up there? Is this just a couple day thing because there's an injury going on, or do you think they're going to be on the roster for a period of time? Uh, so, touch on Solak first. He came up uh, when Eli White hit the paternity list, so that's kind of up in the air as to how long he's going to stay in Atlanta. Uh, I do think that after all that shuffling around though of him getting DFA'd, if he does get sent back down, I do think that he at least stays on Atlanta's forty man. Uh, because he had a really good uh, first week with their their AAA team down in Gwinnett. So I do think that Solak has finally found himself a home with the Atlanta Braves, and he might find himself going back and forth a little bit this year between AAA and uh, and Major League Baseball. But, you know, ho- hopefully he sticks around. Uh, I do think that if he gets his chance, then he will, he will prove himself. And then – and to touch on Zach Birdie a little bit, I do think that he he does stick around. I think that his stuff is just so good. It was just a question of when would he finally be healthy enough to put it all together. And that that Rays pitching machine is is pretty nasty. And so when they when the Rays got a hold of Birdie, I, I just knew that it was only a matter of time before we saw him. Uh, I was surprised. I was a little bit surprised that it was this early. I was obviously very happy for him. Uh, but I'm still a little bit surprised, but I do think that Birdie may find himself sticking around for the long run this season. I'm definitely glad to see Birdie back and and Solak as well, because it seemed like he was on a different team every day for like four or five days a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I'm glad to see that he's found a landing spot because back in his time, and you know, for the Rangers, he had a couple of good seasons there. So, you know, the talents there, I think he, he's got the ability. So hopefully just finds a home and a fit that, you know, somewhere he can play and stay on the field and, um, you know, get some meaningful innings and at-bats. Uh, one guy who I didn't really touch on, but Bobby Miller mm-hmm. is finally cleared. He's making his first start of the season for AAA Oklahoma City on Friday. And I will say that is one guy who 
I feel pretty comfortable in saying that he will be up soon. Uh, if the Dodgers don't have him up by June, I would be pretty surprised. I mean, I love watching Bobby Miller throw baseball. There's just it, it's beautiful coming out of his hand. And since we're talking about the Dodgers, I saw the other day. I think Dalton Rushing is like what number seven on the Dodgers uh, prospect list, and it seems like he's swinging a pretty hot bat. So hopefully, Rushing gets the fast track. We don't want. I mean, he's going to be competing with innings with uh, other card Will Smith here before too long, but we, we don't want them fighting each other for innings behind the plate and at bats. One of them may have to find a new home so they can both get on the field, but definitely good for Dalton to see him progress. Yeah, Dalton's been getting some looks at uh, at first base as well and, and preparation and maybe playing on the same field as Will Smith. Uh, funny enough, Dalton Rushing has been the leadoff hitter for Great Lakes. So not definitely not your prototypical leadoff hitter, but <laughs> That that dude, that dude rakes. He's going to be a fun watch. I, I saw that the other day that he was leading off, and I was like, "Well, they're not going to be uh, expecting him to steal any bases out of the leadoff hole." But uh, he's he's definitely going to get on base, and he's going to hit the ball over the wall quite a few times. That's for darn sure. Well, let's go ahead and jump over into the Miami series, and this weekend has a little bit different of a look to the schedule. It's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday matchup instead of a Friday, Saturday, Sunday traditional weekend that we host. So first game is Thursday night at seven o'clock. That game is going to be on the ACC network. Second game is going to be Friday evening at six o'clock. And then the final game will be Saturday at one. The second two games of the series will be on ACC network extra. So you'll have to stream those but you'll be able to catch the first game of the series just on the regular ACC network. So what can we expect out of the Hurricanes? They're 26 and 15, 12 and 9 in the ACC. I think I mentioned before their RPI is 23 with a strength of schedule of 16. I think one thing to keep note of this series is that Miami is 4 and 11 on the road in Kentucky or shit in Louisville. All right. Miami is four and eleven on the road, and Louisville is twenty and five at home. So that definitely plays into the Cardinals' advantage. They're hitting two ninety one as a team. They've got three guys over three hundred. That's it. Um, but they leave a ton of runners on base. They have one guy you've got to watch out for. Yohandi know, Morales. He's going to be probably a high draft pick if I had to imagine in the draft this year. He's hitting 363 with 10 home runs and 43 RBIs. The dude just rakes. He gets on base. He's one of those guys that when you look up and down the lineup, he can beat you by himself. So I think he's the one guy you really have to watch out for in the lineup. As of recently, they got swept by Virginia, and then they beat North Carolina in Chapel Hill uh, two games from them, and then they took two games from Georgia Tech as well. I think the biggest thing about this Miami team is their team ERA is almost 540, which when you mix that with a Louisville offense that has been pretty potent at times this year, I think Louisville has a big opportunity to score a bunch of runs this year. And when you compare that 540 ERA, Louisville's is 3.97. So pretty significant difference. And I think if you look at the numbers, Louisville has a really solid opportunity to take a couple of games from Miami over the weekend. Yeah, this is this. You have to take at least two or three. 
that there's, in, in my opinion, no doubt about that. You need to take at least two or three. And this is definitely a team that you can do that. Like you said, the poor road record coming in, just 4-11 and 11 for the Hurricanes on the road. And then, you know, no, there's no big names that really jump out at you at the lineup besides Morales. So, I mean, really, that that's the one that, that's the one guy that you can't let beat you. You know, you're you're fine with with other guys beating you. You know, got to take your cap to him and move on. But you cannot let Morales beat you this weekend. And you know, I would expect that's the game plan for for this team heading into Thursday. I think this is a team you just have to throw strikes against, which that seems so elementary and basic, but. Louisville has, has struggled at times with that this season. So I, I think you're spot on, too. This is a series at home against a quality opponent, but they've struggled on the road. If you want to really cement your case to get back in the conversation of possibly hosting or, you know, get back on that upper two line, this is a series you have to win because after that, it, it doesn't really get any easier because Louisville – heads to Clemson and then they host Vandy and then they head down to Virginia. So this is a series. If you're, if you're looking at the schedule, this is when you circled that you, you've got to take at least two here. And I, I, you hate to put that pressure on team. You, you've got to win a series against a top 20 opponent, but that's the reality. That's where we are. If we want to get into postseason. If, if you want to be a good team, you got to beat good teams. Yes. And uh, if, if we're going to take two or three from Miami this weekend and, and go for that series win, we need the fans to come out this weekend to Jim Patterson. You know, the temperature is going to be nice. Maybe looking at some rain on Thursday or fr- and Friday, but a little rain never hurt anybody. Come out and support the boys because they definitely need it. And um, let, let's cheer them on to a, to a series win. You talk about the weather a little bit. I wish it was going to be a little bit colder. I like the cold for one, but also you've got Miami coming up here out of their, you know, typical 90 degree weather. Uh, it wouldn't, it wouldn't upset me if they came up here and had to play in you know, 45, 50 degree weather just to take them out of their comfort zone a little bit, but it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. So hopefully the rain holds off. Hopefully the bats stay hot and Louisville can take um, at least two from Miami over the weekend and send them back down South with a couple losses. All right, let's do it. Let's have a weekend. Aaron, while we head down to the home stretch of the season, I know you catch us up on all things Louisville baseball, all things Louisville alumni baseball. Tell us where they can find your written work and where they can catch up to speed on all the cards and the pros. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at AJTurn22, or you can follow the alumni account at Louisville Baseball Alumni Report, and you can catch my written work on thestateoflouisville.com. All right, and you can find me on Twitter at Matt Sefkovic, or you can find me on Card Chronicle. I keep you all up to date as much as I can with everything going on. And in the words of Sean Moth, we will see you at the ballpark. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret 
and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.